Praise the Lord. Amen. God is good. Amen. Amen. We'll go ahead and dive right into our lesson. We're already up. If you have your Bibles, uh, we'll be reading out Psalms 91. Amen. Verses 1, well, 1 through 16, which is the entire chapter. Amen. If you have your have it, say amen. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. And they shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. Thank you for standing for the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Amen. Look at our lesson. It's the refuge of the secret place. The refuge of the secret place. What is refuge? Safety? Shelter? Place where you can go to, to get away from things that are bothering you? And God is our refuge. So in that mindset, it's a place where we can go to get away from things that are bothering us. When the cares of this world, the devil, illness, we can go to God. He is our safety. He's a place where we can go. Amen. When reading the book of Psalms, like any poetry, 
And it's very important to visualize the image being depicted, particularly as it pertains to God. To do this accurately, it is important to pay careful attention to three literary devices. Personification, anthropomorphism, I had to break that one down, and zoomorphism. Personification is when human characteristics are used to create imagery for something non-human. So the idea or concept may be better understood. An example of personification is justice is blind. Anthropomorphism is when something non-human or not a full human being is described as behaving as if it were human. For example, listen to your heart is anthropomorphic. Finally, zoomorphism is when an animal's characteristics are used to describe an object, person, or deity. An example of this is how God might hide a believer under his wings. Psalms 91 and 4. The book of Psalms uses all three literary devices often. Therefore, readers must be aware of these three concepts to appropriately understand the book of Psalms. If you don't understand those, it's just words on a page. For example, Psalms 91 and 1 says, He dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. God is an invisible spirit. And cannot cast a shadow. The idea readers should be attentive to is hidden in the personified language. Believers should live their lives in a position of being under God. This part of the psalmist's life was hidden from others. Because it was a sacred place where the psalmist received restoration and hope. When we fully understand what the psalmist was saying, this demonstrates the great need we have for a secret place in our lives where we can encounter God. We've got to have an encounter with God. Amen. We've got to have our alone time, a secret place that we can go to be with God. God is our shelter. The psalmist used buildings to personify the protective qualities of God. Much of Psalms 91 is spent assuring the individual that God will protect from harm. Words such as refuge and fortress and habitation are used. Although these words are not identical, they are all places a person might live. <clears throat> Amen. you look if you think about it all three of those refuge fortress and habitation you may live there a place uh, may identify a place you may live but also it's your safety you think about it your habitation or your dwelling your home prime example you feel safe in your home if you didn't feel safe in your home there'd be no point being there you expect to be safe in your home, in your habitation. 
in the fortress. Amen. The idea of God being compared to a hiding place or as one who hides the believer may be found in many other Psalms. Psalm 17 and 8, 27 and 5, 32 and 7, 64 and 2, 68 20, and 119, 114. Hiding is associated with desire for protection and safety. The psalmist made an evocative point that it is good for believers to seek God in times of trouble and uncertainty. There's a song out there. Uh, I don't remember the the name of it. It's a Christian song, or the is that good? But, uh, but and I may have the words all mixed up. But it says some of the fact of. When you don't know what to do, trust God. When there's uncertainty, turn to God. He is the only certain thing in this crazy life. The idea of hiding found in Psalms 91 personifies traditional feminine qualities to make its point. Psalms 91 and 4, the author used zooformism by giving God wings and showing how those wings symbolize shelter. This is the shelter a mother bird provides for her young. The mother bird uses her wings to shelter her chicks from the elements and from predators. If you've never seen that before, that is something neat. Growing up, my grandmother had chickens. And you got these little chickens running around, and the weather starts getting bad. You'll watch them. They'll all gather up, and the mother will, will pull out her, will fluff out her wings and cover her chicks. She's keeping them safe. That's their fortress, their hiding place, their safety. And those little chicks expect their, the hen to do that. Just like we should expect God to, to take care of us. The name of God translated Almighty is a Hebrew name El Shaddai. One possible interpretation of El Shaddai is connected to the Hebrew word meaning breasts. It embodies the nurturance and intimacy presented in cradling and breastfeeding. The feminine image of God as a nurturer and mother bird is key in Psalms. God is the protector who provides physical and emotional safety for the individual seeking protection. It is important to remember that God, being an invisible spirit, is genderless. So don't let somebody tell you God's a female, God's a man, God's a spirit. John 4 and 12. Adam and Eve were gendered beings, yet both were equally made in the image of God. Adam was not more precise expression of God's image, nor was Eve. God gave them gendered expressions because the traits of both genders are fully expressed by God. 
The whole image of God is demonstrated through the combined expression of men and women. There's not one greater than the other. There's not a superior gender. As this world will often lead you to try to believe. We're both made in the image of God. Many of us spend hours of our day sitting because we trust the chair to support us. If you didn't trust that chair you're sitting in, you'd be standing the whole service. If we didn't, therefore, whatever we trust in is where we place our lives. How many people trust in this? And people put their lives in this. This is going to burn. The uh, government's already trying to make a cryptocurrency, I heard. A digital dollar where they can completely control what you spend and how much you spend and how much you get. Put your trust in God, not the almighty dollar. Put my trust in the almighty. When we trust Jesus, we have committed our lives into his care. There is much more than an intellectual assent of Jesus, but a committed position of confidence in his compassion for us. God has pledged his compassion and righteousness to us through Jesus' death on the cross. He demonstrated that he would execute justice upon sin while also extending mercy and love to sinners. Romans three twenty-five through 26. Thank God for love and mercy. Since God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, we take heart knowing God has proven himself trustworthy. Amen. God says, word says that God is a consuming fire, but he also says God is love. Which way do you want to go? You know, he's going to, just like any parent, because God is a parent, if you want to look at him that way, he's going to love his children. I mean, just like you would love your children. But he's going to discipline when needed. While trusting a visible chair enough to physically sit upon is a very concrete idea, handing over our entire lives to an invisible God is quite a bit more abstract. It's hard to do. The popular hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, was written by Horatio Spafford in 1873. He planned to travel to Europe with his family, but was unable to join them due to a business delay. Tragically, the ship his wife and four daughters traveled on sunk after colliding with another ship. Only Spafford's wife, Anna, was saved. 
he traveled to Europe to join his grieving wife. While passing by the spot where his daughters had drowned, he wrote the words, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Somehow Spafford's trust in God granted him resiliency that allowed him to continue living despite the despair his life had become. I can only imagine. <clears throat> only true faith, rather than mere intellectual assent, can do such amazing things. How easy would it have been him to throw in the towel and blame and curse God? Why? You, you took my four babies from me. We had enough trust in God that no matter no matter what my dismay, it is well. It is well. Reminds me of the uh, the Shunammite woman when when her her baby. Her her blessing, her promise, died in her lap. She was asked, how is it? It is well. I want to be able to say that. It is well. Perhaps one of the most incredible accounts of God's protection is Paul's arduous journey from Jerusalem to Rome. Recorded in Acts 21, 17-28. God protected Paul from an angry Jewish mob, corrupt rulers, shipwreck, a snake bite, and multiple incarcerations. He had a reason to throw in the towel after all that, but he didn't. God's protection afforded Paul amazing opportunities to share the gospel. When Paul was protected from an angry Jewish mob, we get somebody, one person gets mad at us and, and we give up. We have our, our, our car breaks down. We throw a fit. And heaven forbid if we get bit by a snake. But all of this through all of that, Paul used it as an opportunity to share Jesus. Amen. That right there is a good example of, of what we should be doing. Paul was definitely saying, it is well. Mm. Paul returned to a mob of rad radicalized Jews on which he was formerly a member, to present the gospel of his conversion experience. Paul went before Felix, the Roman governor, excuse me, Festus, the, pro, the procurator, and Herod Agrippa, the king of Judea, who was installed by the Romans. <clears throat> 
Paul shared his conversion and the gospel with each of these dignitaries while God protected him from the Jews. Since Paul had appealed to Roman Emperor Claudius Caesar, Paul was placed as a prisoner on a ship traveling to Rome. After experiencing shipwreck and miraculous protection on the island of Crete, Paul finally arrived at Rome. There he was placed on a house arrest for two years. During this time, he was able to share the gospel with a great number of Romans. Nowadays, if you're placed on house arrest and you have to, for whatever reason, and you have to stay in your house, you would bottom lip it'll, it'll stick out and woe is me and but he used it as a way to to spread the gospel amen that's what we need to do not get on house arrest but spread the gospel at this point the book of acts ends however tradition indicates that paul was cleared by claudius caesar and may have traveled to Rome to share the gospel in Spain, which he stated in Romans 15 and 19 was his intention after visiting the church in Rome. Paul's journey from Jerusalem to Rome, from the center of the Jewish world to the heart of the Gentile world, is a magnificent story of protection and deliverance. When we set out on a journey to make Jesus known, to this world, his spirit will be with us every step of the way. Amen. <clears throat> Thank God that he goes with us. He goes before us, prepares the way. Amen. If we trust in him and do his work. Jesus intentionally entered into the midst of our trouble. He did this through the incarnation. The author of Hebrews used the following opening statement to begin the epistle. After God spoke long ago in various portions and in various ways to our ancestors through the prophets, in these last days he has spoken to us in a son whom he appointed heir of all things, and through him he created the world. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 through 2. Instead of sending someone else to speak on his behalf, God came to us in a son to model for us the type of intimate relationship God desires with all of us. He did not come with only words to speak, Rather, Jesus entered into our troubles by embracing the fragility of life and fully experiencing the brokenness inherent in our world. He became like us so he can understand what we go through. So when somebody, you're talking to somebody and then, well, God just don't understand Yes, he does. He understood hunger. He understood thirst. He understood heartache, pain, loneliness. 
grief. We are finite beings who need a time to rest, to be restored by the Lord and by the community of faith. We must remember the institution of the Sabbath is rooted in the very beginning, before the fall. God found it necessary to rest on the seventh day of creation and extended this rest to all creation. If God felt human beings needed a Sabbath day before the fall, how much more essential then is a time of Sabbath after the fall? Therefore, we must seek refuge from the Lord. We must be honest about our limitations and learn at what point our reach begins to exceed our grasps. Yes, that is good. We must seek a daily time to connect with God. Who is our source of life, strength, and hope. Seeking refuge should not be the parachute we use in an emergency. Too many people... Will live their lives all willy nilly, or but then they start getting a little bit of trouble. Then that's when they want to start praying and, and look to God. We should do that daily before we get in any type of trouble. You know, uh, uh, somebody who works on, walks on a tightrope. They're better than I am. But they have a safety net just in case they fall. But they practice and practice and practice. So that hopefully they won't need that safety net. That's the way our walk should be with God. We should walk with God, talk to God, love God, practice and practice and practice. And he'll catch us if we fall. But it's there just in case. He's there just in case we fall, but we shouldn't have to use him because we fall. The idea is not to fall. Amen. It is significant to note that Jesus often chose solitude over people. He knew the importance of a place of refuge and intentionally sought out out a time of solace before God, despite how busy he was conducting ministry. We should take note of the examples Jesus provided for us and try to incorporate his practices into our lives. Oh, to be like Jesus. After Jesus was baptized, he spent 40 days of prayer and fasting in the wilderness before launching his ministry. Luke chapter 4, 1 and 2, verses 14 and 15. 
Jesus withdrew to the solitude and prayer in order to obtain guidance before making an important decision. Early in his ministry, Jesus spent the whole night in prayer before choosing the 12 disciples the next day. Luke 6, 12 and 13. So when you have important decisions to make, it's good to pray. Seek God's counsel, seek his will, seek his direction. Because had Jesus not spent the whole night in prayer before he went and picked the 12, he could have picked the totally wrong people. He may not have picked Peter. Then he wouldn't have, possibly wouldn't have the... Uh, Acts chapter 2 message he may not have picked Judas who may not have betrayed him Mm. Jesus sought solitary moments in prayer after strenuous days of ministry he instructed his disciples to do the same Mark chapter 6 verses 30 through 32 after learning of John the Baptist's death, Jesus sought solitude during his bereavement. Just hours before being arrested, Jesus sought a time of solitary prayer with his disciples, who all went to sleep. In a time of distress, Jesus sought a place of refuge. Finally, Luke offered this editorial comment regarding Jesus' ministry. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Luke chapter 5, 15 through 16. The demand for Jesus grew, but Jesus had made a habit of frequently finding a solitary refuge where he could pray. We hear so much people say, you know, prayer closet. It's a place of solitude, a place where you can get alone. Perfect example that Jesus provided. Getting to a place by yourself. But mind you, that while you're in your prayer closet, and you're away from everybody else, the devil will come in that prayer closet with you. When Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days praying, Satan met him at the solitude place and even tempted him three times but after after he rejected the devil and rebuked him the angels ministered to Jesus amen If anyone was too busy to pray, it was probably Jesus. He's a pretty busy man. Yet he had a persistent and regular pattern of refuge seeking 
and prayer. I think this lesson is be retitled to the to the example of Jesus. This because he is our perfect example. What is key to remember about prayer is that no one accidentally prays daily. Oh, I prayed by accident. That's a conscious decision. It's intentional. You either do it or you don't do it. Only by intentional effort can you make a daily ritual of seeking refuge and praying. Just like nobody eats by accident. It's an intentional thing. I'm going to go to the refrigerator. I'm going to get me some food. We have to intentionally push it away sometimes and go pray and fast. Jesus had a great need for prayer, for his priorities were correctly attuned with the Father. Prayer changes our view of the world. As we continue to pray, what we thought was most important may become less important. If this starts getting taken away from you, you start freaking out a little bit. Oh God, how am I going to do this? How am I going to pay this? How am I going to pay that? What am I going to do with no money? We deem this important. But as we get closer to God, this becomes less important because we know that he's going to provide. You just got that for free. What we believed was insignificant may become a great burden. Ultimately, prayer brings about the same resolve in us that was expressed by John the Baptist. He must increase, but I must decrease. John 3 and 30. Off example, uh, a magnifying glass. What you look at through a magnifying glass is all blurry. As you get focused on one certain thing, it becomes clear and everything around it becomes blurry. When we get focused on God and we get him a clear in a picture, everything around us, the world becomes blurry. Amen. Furthermore, if God increases in your life, if things are... are taking up space and you increase God the bigger something gets it's got to have room to grow so it's going to push other things out of the way God increases everything around us will decrease mm, that's good as our consciousness of God improves through prayer how we see the world will shift radically when this happens, we can take heart that we have begun to see the world not as we would have it, but rather as God perceives it. 
With this new vision of the world, we are adequately prepared to engage the world as followers of Jesus. There's a song that says, Give me your eyes that I might see. I want the eyes of God. I want the eyes and the heart of God. I want to be able to love people the way God loves. I want to see people the way God sees them. Amen. That should be our desire. That should be everyone's desire. God is good. He is our refuge and strength. The name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous can run into and be safe. Amen. Amen. I'm done. We're going to take a short recess, five minutes break, and get ready for morning service.